because I was walking around talking to people, and I thought, I hope nobody's <laughs> nobody's listening in. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Thank you, class. Um, I'm I am pleased to be here uh, on this first day of October. Happy tenth month feast. Fast of feasting, everybody. Um, I was. It was. It is not lost on me the importance of the fact that this is not only the first Sunday of October, but it is the first day of October, so it's kind of exciting to get to be up here and share. Um, <clears throat> so I have, as you can see on your, your sheet, um, my topic, I was trying to come up with it, oh, hello, I was trying to come up with a fun title. I was I I even I have to admit that I googled last night when I was finishing up tidying up my my teaching sheet like songs about missed timing and it didn't work out. <laughs> I came up with a lot of country songs and and, and a lot of Google questions that were uh, asking is it true that you can have the right person but the wrong time in relationships I was like oh okay. It's not. So nothing. Last time I had Ring of Fire, and I thought that was just glorious, but oh well. So Don't Miss God's Timing is my semi-boring title, but it says what it means. Um, so the Lord was placing on my heart as I prayed and um, in pre preparation for today, just that, that almost a warning, remembering that this is, and actually this is something the Lord did continue to to me about the fact that this is October and it is a fast of feasting but we know that October is is a favorite of the enemies um, when it comes to trying to get in and attack us in certain ways um, one way or another so not as a be fearful are we doing okay it's in the middle do I need to move it Sorry, folks. I mean, it doesn't sound different, but da da da. How about by your shoulder? Yeah, I guess I could. The problem is, I, I thought like I figured the middle would be good because I'm talking straight forward. It just seems to work better. I don't Maybe. Know why. Yeah. So I'll just, I'll talk like this this whole time. I'll talk to the the chairs over there. Can, is it better? Yeah, I I like this. This is confident right there. So yeah, it's better. Um, <coughs> You know, is it one last thing? Sorry for all those listening. Maybe if I have this out, maybe the receiver is an issue. I don't know if that makes any difference. I don't know. Oh, hello. We've got something different. I don't know, but you can hear me better, so that's yes. good. Uh, what was I talking about? Um, oh, yes. So not to be fearful or to be, you know, to, to make, because this is a fast of feasting. But we just, I, I mean, I know personally and just from all of our years that, you know, the Lord gives us warnings. And this was one that, that the Lord really was telling me, like, yeah, it's kind of a warning. It's just a reminder. It's something we all know about not missing God's timing <coughs> for us. Um, not, uh, well, and, and I said don't miss God's timing because it's more of a blanket thing. The initial thing that I felt was this first topic that's on your sheet. Um, about not waiting, about jumping the gun, about 
knowing the promise and just waiting and thinking, I, I need to act. I need to do something. And you know what? This is taking too long. And maybe I need, maybe the Lord wants me to do this. And then we do something and it's not quite the timing. He wanted us to keep waiting. So let's, um, and so I'm going to kind of look at all the different variations of where we've got, you know, wait, not waiting versus waiting too long versus the people that did did it correctly in Scripture. But so let's look at the people that didn't wait, a couple of the people that didn't wait in Scripture and the kind of the consequences that they had. So we have Abraham and Sarah, which is kind of a, a I mean, I, I feel like some of these are like, yeah, that's a given. We know this. But let's look at it. I, I looked at this and I always, you know, the, the word of God is living. And I, there's always something fresh that we see, and there may be things that were fresh to me that you're like, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> so forgive me. But it's good to remind us. So Abraham and Sarah, that's Genesis 16. Um, so remember, Abraham was given the promise that God would give him a son. But many, many years, many, many years passed, and nothing happened. And so uh, Sarah, Sarai at the time, his wife got the idea of like, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm barren. I'm not gonna give you any children. So here's how we do this. How about you take my handmaiden and you have a kid with her and then that'll be our kid and it'll totally work. Well, yeah, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't the plan. I noted here in this that I didn't put all the scripture in there because I have a lot of stuff that I'm covering. So just we're gonna, I'm going to gloss over but, but highlight a few things. But so one thing, though, from this scripture is that she made this suggestion. I mean, to our carnal minds, but actually to our modern minds, it's like, oh, that's not how that works. That's not how, you, no, no. Uh, but, you know, she's thinking in her ancient times mentality. Okay, maybe that is a logical thing, but it's not God's plan. But here we have, it says, Abraham hearkened unto the voice of Sarai. And that word hearkened was sama, which is to listen, to consent, or to obey. And so I, I, I bolded that for a reason, because later we're going to talk about other people's influence and, and people's suggestions and recommendations and like, hey, you should do this to accomplish God's will but those not necessarily being quite what need to be. Um, but I, I, I mean, kudos in a way uh, to, to Abram for being like, okay, sure, sure, hon, let's do that. But at the same time, but no, as a man of God, that's not quite how that works. So um, he obeyed her, just kind of, he didn't go to the Lord. He didn't inquire and say like, you know what, should we check? See if this is appropriate. Is this, this, this is how you want to do it? No, he didn't do that. Um, but so the consequence of that is that we have a child here. But I went ahead and I put in just kind of to show the consequence, the word of God to Hagar, um, the woman who birthed Ishmael out of that plan. So Genesis 16, 12. So talking about Ishmael, he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him and he shall dwell in the presence of his brethren. So that's the consequence there. God was looking, I, I, I appreciate that God really said, you know what, name this kid Ishmael, God will hear. <laughs> like, and he's going to be a great nation as well. He's going to be a, a wild man. <laughs> this is going to be kind of catastrophic <laughs> in a lot of ways, but okay, I'll be faithful to this even though it was not what should have been done. 
Um, I did want to note that that I was paying attention to the ages when I was looking at this. Abraham was 86 at that point when Ishmael was born. Um, and so then when many years pass, Abram's 99. <clears throat> and so then, and God comes and says, okay, we're changing your names. So he did that business, Abram to Abraham and, and Sarai to Sarah. The circumcision command happens, and, and I forget that Abraham, Abram, Abraham, and, and it says that he circumcised himself at 99. It's like, oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but that's, hey, that's a lot of faith. Like, I need you to do this real quick. Like, like, let me, I don't know if that was from the Lord. I don't know. <laughs> but he did it. Um, and then there comes two more times where God reiterates this promise of, hey, I'm going to give you a son. But he actually says this time, because previously he didn't necessarily say through Sarah. But he says, I'm going to give you a son through Sarah. And he says it again when he has angels come and visit and, and so she can hear it too. Um, and that's, and actually, yeah, so it's, it's really interesting. So it's like, hey, in case you didn't, you were, if you were doubting, like, I'm just going to say it again. I'm actually going to bring physical <laughs> people here to say this, to voice this to you. Um, and that carries forward. I was also, again, just as an aside, I was thinking about this again this morning when I was looking through my notes. And so she, she was 90, and he ended up being 100 when they had Isaac. Um, but she, she even said when she heard that, you know, she laughed within herself. I mean, I would have too. But they said that she was no longer, no longer menstruating, so obviously that's not working. But right in between this promise and when she conceives is that whole episode where they go is it i think abimelech no wrong person yes abimelech they go in and abram says oh she's my sister and he and so abimelech's like hey i'm gonna take her <laughs> she's mine now so she was obviously still hot stuff <laughs> at 90. um i don't i don't remember I, I didn't look it up to see how old they actually lived um, like, so really I'm thinking she's just past birthing age, but she's not like the 90 year olds of our day that, that I don't understand why Abimelech would, I don't know. Hey, you know, <laughs> it's all about personality and uh, how you, how you carry yourself. Age is a number. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so anyway, I was just thinking about all of this. So, I mean, if we think about it, it's not like she's, she's, you know, nearing the grave and then bearing a child. But it still was at that point where it was impossible by man's mindset. Um, but all of this being said, they jumped the gun on the timing, trying to think, how can I make God's promise happen? Once we start the machinations there, that's not good. How can I make it happen? No. I know we are great at problem solving, but we've got to watch out because in this case, <laughs> that created some major consequences. All right, I will not spend all that time on every single point. Um, Saul and the Philistines. We've talked about this recently because a lot of it was discussed at the seminar. Um, it was brought up at least once, but this is the situation in 1 Samuel 13. Um, so where, 
Saul is about to come up to the Philistines. They're there, and he has a bunch of, bunch of men with him, but he's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting for Samuel to come so that they can do the burnt offering and everything, do everything the right way. Um, and Samuel was supposed to be there within seven days, and he was late. And the people are being having a lot of cowardice, and they're starting to hide in the in the crags and in the caves and things and run away, leave entirely, go to other lands because they're scared while they're just waiting around. So, I mean, if I were in that situation, I can totally see like, okay, we got to get this show on the road. Samuel's not coming. We got to just go ahead. But that was not as God planned. He went ahead and did the burnt offering. Samuel arrives and, and tells him, gives him what for. <clears throat> I did want to note that um, I hadn't noticed this, I, I, that this was only, he had only been king for two years when this happened. And in my mind, I always kind of thought, oh, yeah, you know, he's, he's been king for a long time, you know. Um, and, but to have this word that we're about to read from Samuel come after only being king for two years, first king, um, is is even more of a blow, I would think, because it's like, oh, uh. so yes, he, so he jumps the gun because he's waiting and thinks, well, I've just got to take, take command, do what I got to do. But then Samuel says to Saul, 1 Samuel 13, 13 through 14, thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the, for now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him, him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that, the Lord, or that which the Lord hath commanded thee. So, yeah, it just, to me, was extra sad. It's like, oh, you've only been king for two years. And like, oh, no, it's done. It's over. I mean, he was still king for a while, but to, to have that the kibosh put on it right away is kind of extra sad. So that jumping the gun, not, I mean, I, and we can understand, right, from that our human nature where we're getting nervous, especially when it looks scary. You've got the Philistines out there ready to attack, and then your people are all running away because you're waiting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would think the same thing. But we know, like, nope, nope, the timing. It's all about the timing. So... <clears throat> Let's look at a few of the people that did wait on the promise. Or no, well, actually, yes. Uh, yeah, the people that were waiting on the promise. Yes, just making sure that I'm not getting to the wrong spot. Yes. Joseph, so I didn't put a whole lot in there from him, but just kind of as a reminder for him, Joseph, <coughs> he, you, if you recall, he had a couple of dreams early on that he, I, I think, foolishly shared with his brothers and even his dad that really made them irritated with him, where he had these dreams from God that were saying, that were showing him as a prominent and as the others making obeisance for him. And they did not like that. And then, but, but these were promises. That was were promises from God, that he would be there as a leader and, and, above the others uh, but then that was followed by years of servitude prison um, all sorts of issues going on for many years 
But the thing that I did see when I was reading a little bit from his life was that the, but God was still showing him favor, which we remember, I'm not getting into all of his story, but he had a lot of favor even in the midst of being imprisoned and being in servitude and all of this. He was then promoted into these amazing places and then these promises came to fruition. Now, <clears throat> I don't, I mean, I was trying to think, how could he have gotten ahead of promise or, or tried to take over, take the reins of it? And I, I guess maybe he might have tried to escape the prison, perhaps, or maybe tried to, I, I mean, you definitely, he definitely could have been griping and complaining. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you, if your brother sold you into slavery. I, I, I have to admit, in this month of fast of feasting, I would be griping and complaining about that to everyone. I'd be like, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. Um, but I don't remember that in scripture. I don't remember any, any writing about him fussing or complaining about any of that. And he just was faithful to God wherever he was. And the Lord did fulfill the promise. I have a couple for David here. So David, um, for the, so when he's waiting to be king, he's already been anointed. But remember that episode in 1 Samuel 26 where he comes upon Saul, who's been tormenting him and threatening him. And Saul is sleeping. Um, he's with Abishai. And Abishai encouraged him to go ahead, kill Saul. There's your moment. That's your moment. Let's do it. But David said in verse 11, the Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. He says it a couple of different ways, actually, um, but that's just one of them. But that I bolded that again because it's another person's opinion, another person saying like, hey, you should do this. But this time, unlike with Abram and Sarah, he was like, no, that's not okay. That's not, that's not how God wants this to play out. Um, <clears throat> And then, then another time with David, we've got, so he's just been anointed king. He smoked the Philistines. He done smoked the Philistines. Um, and, he, and he, I'm sorry, Philistines, Philistines. <laughs> A couple of ways to pronounce it. Um, he burned their idols, which I think is really, really great. I mean, I guess I would, I mean, that makes sense. Why would you leave them there? But, um, but then the Philistines returned but so he had just whooped them right but and so they came to that same spot so david could have been like i'll do the same thing again i'm a mighty man of war god is with me let's go for it i bolded that because it says but when david inquired of the lord it says that he was like hold up gotta inquire of the lord and the lord didn't want him to just go do the same thing he did before he said, no, go around here with these mulberry trees and wait. Wait till you hear the rustling of the mulberry leaves, and then you go forth. And he did that, and then they, they conquered the Philistines there. So <clears throat> that's another time where it's like, that doesn't make logical sense. But how often can we say that with, with the things that the Lord does? It's like, well, I wouldn't have thought it would have worked out that way, but the Lord did it, and it's way better. Um, or more, or even just the miraculous can come in those ways where it's not the way we think it should go. Uh, 
So I did not include this, but I just wanted to make a note too that there's also the element of waiting on the promise because these previous ones are their promise had been given um, and they were just having to wait on that fulfillment and how it was gonna be fulfilled. Uh, but in Habakkuk as well, we know that scripture, Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3, um, the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So just as a reminder on that too, we might not have the vision, we might not have that promise yet, but we also have to wait on that too sometimes. <laughs> so just a reminder there. And um, before I move on to that next note, because we're gonna, the bulk of our discussion is going to be about Jesus. Um, another note is that, so I've talked a lot about people jumping the gun, but the other thing to worry about, not worry, but the other thing to be cautious of is, so one, we don't want to get ahead of God's timing by trying to make stuff happen, but also that doesn't mean we should be too scared to move forward or hesitate, because if the Lord says to do something, we need to go forth in confidence and do it because we could miss that timing. So um, a couple of places where it kind of can be seen where people missed out on those things would be um, the times when like Pentecost or even the Ascension where there were people on the sidelines kind of like, oh, uh, what's going on? Or doubting and just like, oh, I'm not getting into that. That's not okay. And so it's like, uh, well, you missed out on a really glorious thing. Before I move on to Jesus, did we have any comments? Absolutely. And I mean, I don't think we necessarily need to ask the Lord before we do the little things like brushing our teeth. Well, yeah. But, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, well, well, I need to see. Is this when we need to do this? Do I need to? But, you know, but I agree. Like, it's even, we, I think we do just, we, we're, we're adults. We take care of ourselves. We know what we've got to do, and we just go forward. And we're like, well, this is how i got to do it. But it is a good reminder to the inquiring. I think especially that one with David. It's like he could have just gone and done it again. Yeah. But got to inquire. Yeah. It's good reminder. Well, ways not his ways. Yep. It's true. And it's just it, when you think about it it's just amazing that, you know, that he just didn't go through it again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He waited and he inquired. I love that. I I love that too. I was like, oh, good job, David. Yeah. It, in a way, we, if we're waiting too long or not waiting long enough or not inquiring enough, yeah. we're putting ourselves in a position where we are deciding what is important to God. Hmm. Yes. And that's a bad formula. Yeah, that's true. Ooh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's dangerous territory <laughs> right there. It's like, well, it's okay, God. I got this. Yeah. Like, it's fine. I know. I know. You, you don't have to say it. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. I love it. 
Thank you, guys. Okay, let's look at Jesus. So there's a couple of things, and this is actually really exciting for me um, to get to share because there's a couple of elements, a couple of times where Jesus had said, like, nah, 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 this isn't, the right, this isn't my time. Like, no. Um, and both of these, so this is why I highlighted earlier when other people's opinions, other people's urging was, was apparent, because both of these situations are where somebody's telling him, like, hey, hey, FYI, you should do this. And he's like, uh-uh. <laughs> no, but, but it's interesting. So we're going to dig into it. Um, and from this, there's going to be um, a word that I did a little study on that, I'm, that that's what I'm excited most about. So we'll get there. So how Jesus waited. So we've got John 2 and John 7. We've got John 2 where it's the wedding in Cana, Jesus' first miracle. Um, and then John 7, there's a Feast of Tabernacles. I'm not going to get out. We'll stay, stay with John 2 for the minute. So um, the situation, he's at this wedding with his fam, and uh, they, they run out of wine. And so here's where our scripture comes in. John 2, verses 3 through 5. And when they wanted wine, when they were lacking wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. <laughs> I like that that's all she said. It's like, hey, they have no wine. Um, and Jesus says to her, woman, what have I to do with thee? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I always think it sounds like that, but it may not have been. But mine hour is not yet come. So we're going to look at that. His mother saith to the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And that's that. And then he asked them to bring the jars of water. And then miracle is he turned it into wine. So um, I, the word here for hour, mine hour is not yet come, is the word hora. Which, mean, which can mean a number of things. I mean, a, the day can mean hour, which is where we get the word hour and ora in the, in the Romance languages. Um, but it can be hour, it can be an instant, but it can largely, we're going to look at it as a season. Um, because, and, and which, which is really cool, and I actually have some examples of it in a little bit. We're not getting to quite yet, so I will just talk about this kind of episode first, but so just to kind of establish aura, hora, I'm sorry. Um, but, and, and also the possessive there, he said, my hora is not yet come. And I, I did, I, I love, I mean, I did have the pleasure of asking the pastor a little bit about this, because this is something that's always baffled me, where he says, he's like, woman, what have I to do with thee? It's not the time. And then he turns around and he does something about it. And, I th and I've always thought like, well, but he said it's not the time, but then he still did it. But in research and, and in checking with him too, because I was like, I, I've never understood that. It was. Maybe he realized he shouldn't have talked to his mother. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I know. I've, all, I've thought that too before. It's like, it's like, sorry, mom. No. But here's the thing. It was the time. It was, it was, in fact, about, about to be the time because he did end up doing it. If, if, it hadn't been, if it hadn't been the time God wanted him to do it, he wouldn't have done that miracle. So just that's the thing. Jesus isn't going to do something because his mom told him to. That's the key. So she's probably realizing she might be sensing 
in the spirit, you know what, I think this is the time. But the main thing here is the motivation. So if, if Jesus, if, if mom had come up to him and said, hey, you got to do something about this. And he was like, okay, mom. And he just does a miracle. That's, he's doing it for his mother, not for the purpose of the father. So it's like, okay, I got you, but let me hear from the father. And if the father's like, yes, then go forward. So that's something we're going to really look at <clears throat> is this, this, it's the motivation. It's the, the drive behind stepping into the timing. We, the, and, and we're going to look at it and see this, uh, in, it happens in John 7 too. So uh, the thing is Jesus had to hear from the father for himself, not for someone else's, not from someone else's instruction. And we'll talk about Hora a, a little bit more in a minute because that's going to be a big topic. But that's a, a big thing on this one. It's really interesting. John 7. So Feast of Tabernacles. Okay. Oh, yes. Go ahead. Let me ask a question here or make a comment. Mm -hmm. um, we've spoken about what she says in verse 5. Whatever he says to you, do it. Mm -hmm. Immediately Jesus goes about all that firkin talk. <laughs> and he, they're going to fill with water pots, you know. Mm -hmm. And it would seem from that that even though he said, my season hasn't begun yet, that he immediately begins to engage mm -hmm. because of what she said to, to them. Right. Uh, but I think that the better thing is, is that Mary, even though she was concerned about the lack of wine, when she says whatever he says to you, do it, she was not saying, she didn't say, okay, servants, my son's going to take care of this. She doesn't say that. True. And he could have easily said, water for everybody. <laughs> you know? But, you know, at, at that point, I think she was also saying, all right, I'm not in control of this. Yeah. You know, he's going to do it in the way that he feels or not do it. Yeah. And right. so she acquiesced to that statement. But then... It, it's kind of a strange thing because I don't want to get ahead of you here. I'm sorry. But other people around you, especially in a Mimadakas environment, are going to be sensing things. And but it's but it's going to be up to you to answer to God and to do what he what he wants. And that was the problem with Saul. All those people were coming up to him saying, you know, we're in a bad spot. We're, right. Yeah, oh brother, we're out. We're in a tight spot, you know, <laughs> and everybody's we're, running off. We're we got to do get something. It handed to us. Yeah. And um, um, and so he, he, Lisa, when I saw the people leaving, it's a difficult thing to be around people that are, are anointed, who are with you, who who are hearing from God, and they're sensing things, but the the issue is. You've got to acknowledge them without telling them off, but you it's a fine line. And I do agree that Mary was obviously, well, the Blessed Virgin. <laughs> she, she was hearing, she knew, 
she knew that, mm -hmm. queen of heaven and all. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was up to him. And that's a tough thing. That's really a tough, it, it sounds easy. We focus on building water pots and but the wine, the best is, is here. You saved the best for last. And That's true. But when she said that, I think she was really relegating the timing and everything to him. And that's a point that we've really not focused on. It wasn't like, it's not my hour yet, but since you're asking. <laughs> right. you know, that's not what happened. And, and it, it's a difficult thing for all of us. Right. You know, there's sometimes, even even with um, <coughs> prophecies, or we ask people to pray about journeys, and and we 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 appreciate that. But then sometimes people will get a word. I got a bad feeling about this trip, and, but they don't give you any specifics. And then you know what the next? Well, I told them not to go. <laughs> you know? And the issue is that no matter what you may be sensing in the cost forecast, you're going to have to answer to God for yourself. Right. And so whatever he says to you, do it. That's great. That, that was a good word for these servants. I don't want to be toting these big, heavy water pots. But to me, the main thing that that meant was, all right, it's his call. He could, what could he have said? All right, just go about your business. You know, I'm not doing anything or water for everybody. So she threw it back to him for timing, and it sounds like he acquiesced in one third time. But I, I, I don't, I think we miss, we misread that. Mm -hmm. So anyway. I'm no, thank you. That's, and, and thank you for uh, also bringing up, because I totally <coughs> was skipping over the fact that she said, she didn't say like, he's gonna give you some instructions now, <laughs> and there's yeah. gonna be something really no, she didn't say Do that. Do what he says. I've been around. I know. <laughs> That's right. He it's going to be exciting. Get your camera ready. Yeah. <laughs> and there'll be some for you. <laughs> right. Um, no, and you know what? Because, I mean, since you were talking about it, we, we will talk about the Feast of Tabernacles, but skip down a little bit for the appropriate motivation for stepping into timing. So that, that state, I, I wrote down a few different things there. And I said, we must take this step in God's timing on behalf of the Father, not on behalf of somebody else's desire or urge. Albeit correct, it could be correct, but our motivation, it's our heart that the Lord looks at, right? Um, and that, that's a couple other things that I mentioned here, but I wrote a couple extra stuff that I took off your sheet. Um, let's see. And he hit on a lot of that, a lot of it. So this is good. Um, so, yeah, we don't, we definitely don't want other others to get in the way of our calling, right? Um, but here's the deal, though. That doesn't mean that wise counsel. So what about wise counsel? That's not that. That doesn't mean that that's not good. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't take counsel. But the thing is, you can take, you can receive wise counsel, but we have to be driven by our closeness to the Father rather than acting on someone else's faith, right? So someone can give you great advice, but you still have to be. It can't be like, well, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> no, we we we're 
mature sons. We've got to go to our father and say, okay, well, Lord, is this what you want me to do? The other thing, too, is that prophetic counsel, that's also not wrong. But do we, when we receive a prophetic word, do we just immediately say, all right, that's it. That's the answer. Going to go do that now. No. The word says to judge prophecy. We've got to go before the Lord and say, okay, Lord, how do you want me to apply this? What do you feel about this word that I received? We can't just blindly receive and, and take that as the word. We're not, we're not in the old way of we have to have a priest that communicates to God for us, right? So, any other thing now, and that is the trouble with, and I kind of wrote this, I wrote this down for myself. Oh, I wrote that for you guys. I said, but prophecy seekers, this is what I, that's a nice way to put it. But we, we all know, we've, we've been around the block. We know there's a lot of times that we'll come across people that are constantly seeking for a prophetic word. Hey, you're a prophet? Hey, tell me who I'm going to marry. No. Right? That, oh, good job. You win. You're correct. <laughs> um, I mean, if somebody had, had told, like, given me that prophetic word of, like, you're going to marry Zach, like, 10 years ago, that would have been interesting. Like, oh, that's, that's a direct word. We don't do those words. Um, but you have those people. And I can, I mean, not newly married now, but it's like, you know, especially the folks that are lonely. I mean, we've, we've come across that, I think, about being in France and speaking with people and and then saying, oh, I just want to be married. I just want to ask the Lord, what does the Lord say about my spouse? Like, no, that's not how, no. And honestly, I'm a tattle of myself too from, not from marriage stuff, but from when I was a kid, I was, I had no, I, I just wanted to know, God, what, what do I, what am I going to do in my life? What, what's my career going to be? What do I need to study? Like that was, that was, that haunted me. I think a lot of you know this because you knew me when I was little. But I remember I would often ask, like if we had a prophet, uh, there was one time I did ask one of the prophets that we had, were friends with, and I was like, I just don't know what I've got to do. And, and he did break down, and, and I, he, he said, well, I, I hear from the Lord that you're going to be a teacher. And I was like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't receive that word. Well, then, you know, about a decade later. And here I am also right now teaching. So he was correct. But, you know, it's those things that you have to be. There are the, we don't need to be those people. Don't be those people. You know, we don't need to be the ones who are just like, oh, I gotta, I gotta have an answer. I gotta have an answer. We, we, we have a direct communication <laughs> with the Father. So again, so all of that I just kind of wanted to bring up there where it's like, okay, we're not saying don't, because we do prophetic words. We do prophetic counsel. We receive wise counsel from our, from our saintly family. That's, none of that is wrong, uh, unless you're trying to like just get an answer, like <laughs> force an answer about one of those things, like I said before. It's just that we can't just act on those things. Just, all right, thank you. Thanks, Monica, for giving me that word. That's my answer. I'm going to just go do that now. Like, no, we've got to, we have to, it's about that motivation. It's about who we're following and, and why we're following those words. Um, so let's look at Jesus again. And then we will talk about time. So the Feast of Tabernacles. So this is another example of really the same situation, but it's a little different. 
um, in a couple of ways. So in John 7, 3 through 8, um, well, so just to give background, there's a Feast of Tabernacles. <laughs> um, and so they're all supposed to be going up to this feast. And his brothers, uh, Jesus' brothers, are trying to urge him to go. But it's for, in this case, it's not necessarily out of a good place. So his brethren therefore said to him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the, the works that thou doest. So he's been, so this is a little bit after the wedding of Cana. He's been performing some miracles, doing some teachings and stuff. He's got disciples at this point. Um, they're like, yeah, they can go see what you do. For there is no man that does anything in secret, and he himself seeks to be known openly. If thou do these things, if thou do these things, if you're, hey, if you're doing all this stuff, show it to the world. For neither did the brethren believe in him. So, they, so that's what I mean by it's not really from the same place as what Mary was saying before. She's like, hey, she probably was sensing timing here. But they're like, I don't believe that this is really, like, this isn't, uh, I don't really believe in you. Um, hey, you've got these magic tricks you're doing. Why don't you do that in front of everybody? Get some notoriety. Um, and then Jesus said to him, my time is not yet come. It's not the same word for time. But your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but, it, but me it hateth, because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up to the feast. I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. So both of those my times are my kairos. Kairos, sorry. Um, and that first one is it's not, my, my kairos has not yet arrived. My kairos is not yet fulfilled or complete. This is the two different things he says. Um, and of course, with, we know kairos. Um, that's that obedience in the moment. So the fact that he uses these two different words for time is what was intriguing. And um, I, again, did seek some, some assistance in kind of discussing and getting, getting it down because we really wanted to dig into Hora in a minute. But so he's telling him, like, no, no, it's not, it's not quite the time. But then he did go up. He went up to the Feast of Tabernacles, but he didn't just, he didn't go like they were wanting him to go. He went up in secret. And he didn't perform miracles. He didn't heal anybody. He didn't turn in, he didn't grab any firkins of water or anything to take with him. He went up and he actually went and preached in the synagogue. And they were like, oh, they were, the people were like, you know, they were confused because he was so scholarly. He had such an understanding of scripture. Um, but so he did go up, but not in the way that they wanted. And, and really, again, it, I, I wrote in my notes, it's not the way his brothers tempted him to. It's really that kind of that temptation in the scripture of like, like, hey, you should do this. You should really make a name for yourself. Like, well, go big or go home, right? Why don't you just go show the cool things you can do? But no, it was not that Kairos. He, he did go up there, but... The, what I wrote down was Kairos miraculous is not for our gain in the world, right? It's not a parlor trick. It's not, it's kind of, it, and that kind of reminded me, you know, as, as um, spirit-filled people, if you talk, if you ever, I'm sure some of you have had this happen, where you t if you do happen to talk to people who are not spirit-filled, and they kind of look at you like you're, like you're uh, a, a creature in a, in a zoo, 
and they're like, ooh, speak in tongues for me. Oh. Yeah. Have you had that happen? Because I've had that happen a few times. And I'm like, ah, I'm not confused. that's weird. Like, well, it's, it's a weird thing. We have to really judge in the spirit. But it's like they kind of, they, they want to see like a parlor trick. <laughs> and you're like, no, that's, that's not really what that's for. Um, but it's an interesting thing here. Did you have comments before I move on to Hora? Well, I think it's, it's interesting because both times uh, with Mary and then with his brothers, it looks like he <coughs> was lying. I know, yeah. Um, but the objective is on the, the Horos first, the yeah. opening of his season of ministry on earth. And the second is what they were really asking. Hey, go up into the midst of the feast and like you said, do some of your tricks. Um, and that was a kairos. You know, brethren want you to prove what you're doing. Yeah. You know, mothers want you to fulfill what they know you're supposed to do. <laughs> and if you don't fulfill what they know you're supposed to do, then you're, you're, you're missing it. Um, but in both instances, it was, I'll begin when the Father says I'll begin. And then secondly, I am only going to do what he says to do, not what will oblige you. Right. And I think both of those pressures are ours. And I think especially people who, who believe in the seasons of the Lord, like we just talked about transition. We're going into a new thing. We're in there. You can't force that. You, you can't you can't make that happen. You just have to wait on it. But then, you know, there are other people who, who say to me, well, you know, you need to be doing more healing ministry. You need to be doing this or you need to be doing that. And who doesn't like a good healing ministry? <laughs> you know? Who doesn't like a good prosperity message? But you gotta do what God wants because in, in his timing, it's not necessarily to entertain people. So, but he did, he essentially though, in the Kairos thing, he did go up to the feast, but he went into the temple. And he was teaching in there. So he didn't go out amongst the crowds, bobbing and weaving and doing things, which is what his brothers wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, it's just a, it's a strange thing, but siblings, aren't the best counsel for what you should do in ministry. <laughs> mothers always want the best for you, and they always think more highly of you than probably you do. Um, but, but in both of those instances, both the miracle power and in the Kairos moments, and um, you know, like he says, your kairos is always with you. Right. So if you want to go up and minister to these people, you go do it. Right. That's basically something <laughs> we would say to our brothers. Or <laughs> um, but we, we face these factors, hence Jesus, mine hour has not yet come. He, he said it two times, once to his siblings, once to his mother, but in different scenarios. I right. think that's, that's very interesting. Hey, Katie. Mm -hmm. Going back to the wedding, because that's always baffled me as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
and, and I'm just throwing this out here, but because aura also means literally hour, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, obviously, I mean, we know that the Lord set that whole scenario up to for him to, to come out and to do the miracle. And I, I know that Jesus had to have known that, that. But, and this may sound ridiculous, but could that hour also represent the literal hour? And when she approached him, that literal hour was not then, but could it have been an hour later? <laughs> and I guess I bring this up to say that in transition or in that place, we have to be really sensitive and be so close to the Father that we recognize that opening. Yeah. You know, that point of breakthrough, that point of, okay, now it's time. Right. And so within just the sequence of time, could that have also been happening? Hmm. Well, I think that's a fair assessment, actually. I mean, it, I think that we can have, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Even that, even that, just the timing of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, exactly. Like, we'll just wait, we'll just wait. Yeah. Wait a minute. Just not like the mulberry leaves. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Not till midnight. Yeah, uh-oh. Um, We've seen a lot of that silk, uh, sibling rivalry through the Old Testament. True. You know, and into the New now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's probably some jealousy that mm -hmm. brothers had about Jesus. You know, I'm always saying, why can't you be more like your brother? <laughs> uh, why can't you be more like Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a hard thing to follow. Right, <coughs> uh, but it was there was some of that improvement. I think that the pastor was saying in this in their tempting. Right. Go up there, you know. You okay? You improved it. Go, go do it again. Right. Yeah. Prove it again. True. And he probably hadn't heard a lot of that. Yeah, that's true. We just don't have it written. <laughs> it's true. Oh gosh. Poor Jesus, dealing with those brethren. Um, well, let's talk about Hora because this was this was the thing that really, to me, I'm, I'm really excited about because um, because it does mean hour. But if we look at, I really and and again, I just I I'm gonna fully admit that I did chat with Pastor about this because I didn't want to present this as, as such a big topic without checking with him first on it because. This, to me, and actually, is it, I want to look at this because it's, it does a lot of times speak of a specific time, like actual hour clock time, but it also talks about season. And, and in this case, I think it can be what, Monica, what you were saying, but I think also it's this stepping into a season for Jesus. It's him stepping into the debut of his ministry because before he was just walking and waiting. Um, but let's look at Hora throughout a few examples. So I have the centurion, Matthew 8, 13. Jesus said to the centurion, go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. And that was Echeinos Hora. So, um, and you see that a number of times with healing, where that healing happens and you, that person, stepping into a brand new season right? Uh, also the literal clock, right? But another situation where this exact word was used 
is the woman with the issue of blood, Matthew 9:22. But Jesus turned him about. When he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. So she's no longer in that season. <laughs> Terrible season. It must have been really awful for her. She's moving into a new season. Commissioning of the disciples in Matthew 10, verses 18 and 19. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given to you in that same hour what you shall speak. So it's, that's another kind of element of waiting where you're like, okay, don't be planning ahead. Don't be thinking, okay, but I'm going to give you what you need for that next step into a new phase in the timing. It's going to be given to you then, <clears throat> but not before. Uh, the woman at the well, now this one is a little, has a little bit more meat in it as well. Um, John 4, verses 21 through 26, Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. Ye know what we worship, or we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is, that's an interesting one right there, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship him. And that's, this is our proskuneo, uh, <clears throat> our proskuneo verse. So, and then just after this, she does, she, she asks, she says, hey, you know what, they say there's a Messiah that's supposed to be coming. He's like, yeah, that's me. Um, so that, that to me is important too, because he makes this statement and then he says, yep, I am the Messiah. Um, but we've got this really important thing here. And I also, another thing that has always baffled me is that when he says the hour cometh and now is. So it's coming, but it's now. And I did ask about that one. And, and it's, it is an interesting thing, but it's something that it's, it's still coming. It's beginning to come to fruition, but it's being established at that moment. It's like this is about to be this season, this aura as a season, this new um, atmosphere of the spirit is coming and beginning at this moment. Um, which I think is really cool. And I will note that, that, that the hour cometh and now is slightly worded a little differently in, in the English, but that's also used um, at Gethsemane, which is really interesting where he says, well, where the, where the disciples are gonna be scattered abroad. Um, but that's, I think, the only two times that it says it in that way. Um, <clears throat> but it's interesting. By looking at my last example here, Jesus, just before Passover, we have two examples. So John 12, 23, and Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. So this is this, is this next season that's it's happening. Um, and then John 12, 27 through 28, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this cause came I unto this hour. And to me, like knowing, thinking about it in this concept of not necessarily just being time, but thinking this atmospheric 
season that the Lord has brought him to. Like, Lord, save me from this walk, this season, this atmosphere I've got to step into in your timing. It makes, it makes it even more rich to me, where it's, it's like, this is why I came. It's not just for this, this moment. It's not a moment necessarily. It could, it could be translated in that way, but I really feel like it's this other interpretation of Hora, which is that this is the walk. This is the season that I, was, I came here for. This is the, it's, it's a little bit more than just like time, right? Um, and actually, if you turn your little page, from that, I propose to you a time timeline. So we've got three words for time here. We've got chronos, we've got hora, and we have kairos. So we know that chronos is that overall purpose and plan, which, again, this can't, 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 can't take the classroom out of the teacher, right? You take the teacher out of the classroom. Uh, so I did the little visual. You've got that overall time span, which in, in this case would be perhaps, I, I propose to you, this is Jesus being on the earth, right? That's the overall timetable, perhaps. Then you have the hora underneath there, which is these different seasons that he's stepping into, right? His ministry. And then that season of, well, this is me going to be uh, the, the beginning of that passion. Um, it was a general season, atmosphere for the moment, entering into a new environment, uh, <clears throat> and I already talked over that. And then you've got your little kairos moments, the obedient action in the moment. And to me, I just, that, that, that's really cool looking, and, and I, I wonder if anybody else is kind of thinking what I immediately thought was, and do you see a parallel with perhaps the promise, sila, and fulfillment? Just a little bit, perhaps. Um, if you've got those three, we were we were discussing this, and we were also discussing the possibility of, but not quite lining up with logos being that overall word from the Lord, and Rama being those quickenings, those words in the moment, but not really at this moment, not really seeing a third. But um, I don't know. I think that's. Uh, to, to me, that just kind of enlivens. If we see these in this way, Jesus had said to his mother, like, no, it's not my hora yet. Or that's not how my hora needs to start. My hora needs to start when the Lord is giving me the clearance to step into it. And for his brothers, that's not how my kairos is supposed to be. Well, I, mm. think, I think it's interesting then that uh, when Jesus was speaking in Acts 1, he said to his disciples, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, or exousia, and that's the kairos and the chronos. And, and that's reiterated again by Paul in Second uh, Thessalonians, where he says the times and the seasons, brother, you don't need me writing to you. But with that, um, we, we can glean when God is saying you're entering into a new season and it, it's something that he wants us to recognize and we should recognize okay in this season we're supposed to be doing 
this. And that's really the law of farming. That's the law of, of the husbandman. You know, you know what you're supposed to be doing. It, it's this season. You know what you're supposed to be doing, so get after it. Take advantage of the season. And so I just think, I think it's very interesting that before Jesus ascends, he says, hey, look. Yeah, okay, so will, this, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Remember? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> because that would have been, okay, hey, well, you've got it going now. You know, you rose, risen from the dead. You've preached all these things. The veil has been rent. Graves are open. Are you going to do it now? And he said, you know, the Father keeps the chronos and the kairos. That, that's up to him, you know. And <clears throat> but the season, he doesn't mention. The mm-hmm. aura does not mention because I think we should be sensitive. Um, you know, it's like what he said about the, the Pharisees. You know, they can look up and they see the sky and it's red or lowry. They know that this is happening. They're better than you all are. You, you, you understand the times. And, and so I think like for us in this past months, or past couple of years. We've been moving according to the what we know the Father has asked us to do as far as the chronos. We've been trying to peg Kairos moments that he would bring. But then he says something about what would essentially be the season. You're transitioning. Mm-hmm. What are you transitioning from? Are you transitioning from his purpose? Mm-hmm. No. Are you transitioning from the... The, 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 him speaking to you at this, okay, do this, okay, do this. Those, those are active, and he keeps those in his power. But he begins to stir you about the aurora. He begins to, he begins to stir you and get you ready, and you have to respond into that. And and really, he leads you to that. But that's in your authority. You've got to do something. And, and he does not mention that when he's ready to ascend. Um, and, and, but, and, you know, I, I just think that's something we need to contemplate because when the season is made known, you've got to work for the night is coming. Right. When no man can work. When, when God says, okay, this is your time to go out and Rama, you, you better... You better go out there and get these places established now. Even though you've been doing it, you've been learning, you've been honing, and that you've had a modicum of success in that. But now this is the season. Embrace it. He gives you authority. The Father releases that to you. And and I, I wonder about that in our own personal lives. You know, we commit ourselves to the purpose, and we commit ourselves to hearing and doing what he says to do in those Kairos moments. Mm-hmm. But the seasons, what season are you in? Now, cumulatively, we as saints are in a certain season. and But each of us are in unique seasons in our life. The trick is not to let one upstage the other. Hmm. You know? Like, we just came through a season in our family. Um, where there was um, a lot of things. Marriage, there was 
Well, it was moving this dude in here. <laughs> the, ice, the famous ice night of Dallas <laughs> 2023. You know, then there was wedding, and then you got to get Zach established. Work which God has done. We got to go and do this new thing in Brazil. Uh, he moved. Kelly moved. Kelly moved again. Um, and, and the season's still going. I mean, we don't know what's going on with uh, your grandmother. Right. Well, we know, but we just don't know the time. Right. You know, her time has not yet come. <laughs> her time has not yet fulfilled. But it's, it's pretty near it. It's pretty near it. Um, but but the, the, the season, can you do all those things and still move in the transitional moment in the season that God is birthing? That's a big question because that's in your authority. Yeah. The Father has let you know it. He's led you to it, but now it's up to you. Right. And that's a that's a big thing to, to see. Right. Oh, that was, that no, was really good. that was really my point that I was trying to make was that we have to be so close to the Father no matter what else is going on that that timing could be precise or it could be super vague, mm. right? To, but we have to recognize and actually be willing to step into it because we can get super comfortable, yeah. even in the hard seasons. I mean, mm -hmm. it can become our identity. We can, we can, and and so just to be able to or be willing and to be just so close to him that we know, okay, now's the time. And sometimes it it's a risk, you know, it's a risk. Yeah. But we have to be willing to step into that. Right. And we can also be super distracted. Yeah, And yeah, in, in, in closing, thank you. Those were all really great comments. Um, but yeah, in, in closing, to harken back to you, you said you said about closeness. The answer is we have to be continually pressing ourselves closer and closer to the Father, and continually and and no and I think and I knowing is half the battle, right? But you know, you've got to be aware of these things and, and saying, okay, Lord, I know that, what is the season? What is the timing? Or if you're not going to tell me right now, I'm not going to jump. <laughs> I'm not going to do, I'm not going to jump the gun. I'm not going to try and take care of stuff. Or just being really, really close to him so that he can help us to be right on time, not ahead and not behind. So we don't miss it one way or another. Um, but uh, that's that warning, and that's the the and and it should be an encouragement to all of us, a warning to just be cautious of, because I do feel like this is a timely word for this season that we're stepping into season. Um, so be aware, but also an encouragement that isn't it wonderful that we have this relationship? I mean, I've said that so many times, but isn't it wonderful that? We don't have to rely on 
a priest to to tell us what God's telling us to do. You know, we, that we can we can we have direct access because we are saints and sons, and so we just have to remember to really live in that and breathe that. You know, um, so encouragement and <laughs> especially since the, the this. As as he was mentioning, it's like a lot of things going on for us. There's a lot of things going on for a lot of you. I know there's a lot of stuff, and it can be really easy to lose track. But just keeping that, as keeping our hearts and minds fixed. So yeah. Shall I close? Yeah. Father, thank you so much for this word. I, I ask that you would continue to develop this, this word in us to further reveal what you want us to, to gain from this. Father, bring us close to you. Help us to be so in tune with your heart that we don't miss your timing. We want to make sure we are fully in step with you. We love you. We praise you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.